Hi, and welcome to She Said, She Said. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. Today, we're continuing our series on women-owned small businesses and how they're faring during the pandemic. We've seen some amazing creativity coming out of these small businesses, and I wanna continue that discussion. My great friend, Laura Hayes Morgan, joins me today. Laura is the CEO of a corporate event planning company called Creative Event Strategies. She's based in Raleigh, North Carolina. And like so many other small business owners, her business completely changed overnight. She's gonna talk to us about how she's looking at serving clients differently during this environment, and maybe what the uh, outcome ultimately looks like on the back end of this pandemic. Laura, welcome to She Said, She Said. Thanks so much, Laura. It's great to be with you. Well, I'm happy to see you. You and I have known each other and worked together over many, many years. And you've created this amazing event business in Raleigh, North Carolina. Tell me a little bit about your business before we jump in. Well, my, um, my business, Creative Event Strategies, is focused on doing, um, we love doing events but we really wanna do strategic, important, return on investment type of events. So we wanna work with our clients. You know, There are definitely parties where there should be no return on investment other than a great time. But when we work with especially our corporate clients and our nonprofits, we wanna make sure that we're helping them establish goals and meet those goals as well. Yeah, what does that mean, Laura, as you think about really creating that strategic partnership. I think most people think about events, you go, you attend, you have an interesting experience, you go home. What do you mean by really being part of their overall strategy? I think one of the most important parts of this is messaging and figuring out from the very beginning what you want to accomplish with that event. So you need to have a, a goal in mind. And that's what the first thing that we like to do when we sit down with a client is, what is the goal here? Are you working on your pipeline of incoming clients? Is this a way, um, if you're a university, are you stewarding existing donors? Is this a thank you event for clients or donors? Um, and then what do you want them to, what do you want them to leave thinking about? You want them to be talking that the food was great and the flowers were beautiful, but you also want them to think like, I had no idea that the research at that university was so extensive on you know, some subject. We want them to leave with, um, with a, a firm idea of what, what happened, what, what the subject is, but also then a call to action. And sometimes the call to action can just be, will you see us again? Will you take our call when we call in and want to have a visit with you for a donor? So basically, our job does not end with the event. We start off setting up a goal, and then we move forward through the event, keeping that messaging, and then after. There should always be an after-action report and a plan for how, um, even if we're not involved, how that client will move through following up on that event. Yeah. So Laura, it goes without saying that your business completely changed overnight with this pandemic because no one is able to get together in these settings like you typically were, were doing. I mean, my guess is you were doing probably no virtual events. You were only doing in-person events. Talk about, sort of, talk about what happened. Talk, sort of describe for me that 
moment where everything changed and what you did. The first sort of flicker was a speaker that we had for an event in Philadelphia. It was a speaker who was based in California and California was sort of a, one of the early, early warning signals for this. And he said, are we gonna go forward with this? And I was like, you know, of course, of course we will. And literally within the next 12 to 16 hours, the, um, the Biogen meeting information hit and that was that meeting up in Cambridge that then became one of those super spreader events. We decided to cancel that event in Philadelphia. And then it was that entire week, that sort of second week of March where things just fell like cards. Yeah. And some things are being rescheduled, some things will be rescheduled, but everything, social events, uh, corporate events. So at the end of the week there, it was sort of like we had a very full spring and fall calendar where I was thinking, how, oh no, we have so much work. How will we get done with this? <laughs> and to, to then being like, wow, I need a hobby. <laughs> um, and I think that that's, it's, it's interesting that um, this one client that I'm talking about that has, we do events for them in monthly events for them in uh, four or five cities. So when they decided, we, we all had to go on hold, but they really wanted to move to a virtual platform. They have um, sponsors where they have yearly contracts. They have a real sense of guidance that they give to this life science community. They, they work with early stage life science companies. So we, we pivoted to the virtual sphere as everyone was doing, but they were able to do it really early on. And that's in part because the CEO is just very nimble, very quick on her feet. She's really, um, I have the greatest respect for her. And she was way ahead of the curve. We were up and running with an event that was gonna take in place in San Diego um, by like the third week in March. Wow. And we moved it to a virtual, uh, virtual sphere. Yeah. Um, and just yesterday, we were having um, conversations with them about what is it going to look like when we go back? Because virtual events, you know, we miss that, like, I give you a hug, we have small talk, um, that sort of networking with people you don't know. But we also were able to, um, for example, this San Diego event got a national audience. And it also has a really long shelf life now on their library of webinars. Mm -hmm. So there are also good things. Yeah. Can you talk can a little at. bit about sort of the, the tips or sort of strategies behind making a virtual event as impactful as possible, recognizing that it's mm -hmm. not going to be the same as an event where you, like you said, can hug people and really have that direct. Right. But it, it's the next best thing. It's the only alternative. So how, yeah. what are your suggestions for making that experience as impactful as possible? One thing that we, a couple of things that we've sort of ironed out and learned, you need a very strong uh, MC. And what we do is we have a production person behind the scenes and then a moderator. And so the production person is working all the tech, even on something as simple as like Zoom webinars. You need to have someone working that. We try to keep it professional. And um, by that, I mean, we've had professional backdrops. We have, you know, we talk to people about lighting. So I think that having that, um, we've also found the, the timing. You really can't go longer than a 45 minute program because people just are, are gonna, they're gonna switch channels on you. 
you know, I, I would also suggest that you use all of the monitoring and uh, all of the equipment and measurement equipment that you can use. Um, basically, how long people stay on the webinars, how many people are clicking in and clicking out, where they're coming from, get some geographical distribution. So you can see where your audience is really the strongest. I think we're going to get some inf interesting information from this client. That's fascinating. So, so talk about your team is also working virtually. And I know you had folks that were already somewhat around the country. So you, some of that right. you're accustomed to, but you're using with event planning, typically you're using freelancers as well, right? You're on right. people I suspect are people that you contract with and maybe other vendors. Have those folks been available to you? Like how have, has the disruption for their own business model impacted your ability to work with them, if at all? You know, the vendors are the people that I worry about, our vendors, um, you know, across the country. The caterers have, have really um, developed a model where they're cooking family meals and cooking meals for healthcare workers and doing gift cards. So a lot of them have really very quickly, again, pivoted. It's the people that are going to survive this are really the ones that are not sitting back and saying, you know, oh my God, this is so awful. Although there is time for that. There should be a good hour of, oh my God. <laughs> but if you, you have to, you know, this is what, this is what the way the world is now. And we don't know how long it's going to last. So you need to reimagine. And um, part of our business has always been coming into a client and taking their event calendar or taking specific large events and reimagining them for them um, because events get stale. And this is just another sort of, uh, part of that that service is reimagining now, and then as we move back, we'll reimagine to a hybrid model, and then eventually in person as well. Yeah, Laura, what are some of the long term changes potentially, both positive and negative, that we may see coming out of this in the big corporate event space? Well, I think it's going to be interesting. I think there'll be um, initially for a lot of the larger corporations, there's going to be the perception issue. You know, are we allowed to celebrate? Can we have that big? I have um, one client where they want to do a big sales meeting at a resort in July. And, you know, July could very well be a sweet spot between, you know, now and between the fall where people could be gathering but it's the perception. You, you remember after 2008, there was one of the large insurance companies that got a bailout that did a sales conference in Arizona and they got roundly beaten in the press. And I think any of the, the companies that are taking money are gonna have to keep an eye on how much they spend that money um, in what would be perceived as maybe frivolous. Yeah, I think that- um, They're gonna really, I mean, it really has to be something that appears to be very mission critical, right? Exactly. And all exactly. the bells and have to be much more modest than what they might do otherwise, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to want to do like a lobster caviar bar, yeah. uh, you know, as, no, as <laughs> first off, <laughs> even though it would be really good, <laughs> but you don't want to dive into that. Um, you know, so I think that's going to be a big part of it. The other thing though is, and I'm sure you've been, when you talk to people, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to really talk to you. So small um, startup companies, the small life science companies, again, that we are working with, they need to get those opportunities so they can make those contacts. And those, I think, are going to be the first, the first people in the pool, you know, to, to really try that. 
Laura, talk to me a little bit about your own stress management strategies. Um, we've talked about on this podcast, practically every conversation that I've had with a small business owner about the fact that you've got to be able to manage stress and anxiety in order to come up with these creative solutions, because otherwise yeah. you're just paralyzing yourself. You're curled up in a ball under your desk. And while, to your point earlier, you said there's a time and a place and a moment for that. <laughs> But if you stay there, it's really hard to be creative, right? So right. How, how are you managing your own stress and how are you helping your team to manage theirs as well? Well, I, um, I'm actually a big fan of something called forest bathing. It's um, a Japanese... Forest, okay, wait, um, forest bathing? Forest bathing. Forest bathing. Um, and it started in Japan and there's a great book that I'll, I'll send over to you. And, uh, but what it is, is it's um, going into nature, deep breaths, you walk, you relax. And that's actually where I find so many great ideas. This is where when I was, I, was uh, I left my old job and I went into the woods, as they say, and I would walk in the woods and that's where I decided I want my own company again. And so what I've been doing is I really, uh, we take our dogs, my husband goes, sometimes some of our kids go, and we walk in the woods here in North Carolina. And it's, it's fabulous. And we'll even, my, my kids will even say like, I think you need a meadow. And then um, we go to the meadow right near our house and the dogs sort of get me back into a, a good frame of mind. You know, all of the other things like getting sleep and exercising. And I also do um, gratitude lists. I always try to do maybe three or five things in the morning that I'm grateful for, because that really pins me to where I am like right now. You know, I'm grateful for, you know, my house and my cat and my kids most of the time. And, and I find that to be a big help. Yeah. Laura, we ask everyone who comes on for a single piece of advice, a life hack, a mantra, maybe something that you tell yourself to just get up in the morning and keep going. What is yours? Well, I would have to say that it's really the gratitude that I, I need to feel. You know, I, um, I have three kids. I, have, I, I grew up and worked in New York for so long. Um, and when I was leaving, when I was getting married 20 years ago and leaving New York, I would spend my time like going, when I went onto the subway, I knew I was moving down to North Carolina. I'd go on the subway and I'd be like, appreciate this subway because you're never going to have it again. And appreciate that disgusting smell and appreciate these big <laughs> buildings because you're not going to have them. Yeah. And now I have that same feeling where we're all, um, it's a huge time of transition. I've got, uh, my oldest is going to be going this, to college in a year. We're never going to have this opportunity. And what do I want my house to feel like for my family? Do I want them to feel like, you know, mom is freaking out because her business is slowed down and, or do we want it to be something where we took advantage of this time? So if we can just, if I, I think that's probably what I would say is think about what I want my house to feel like. Laura, it's lovely. It's so great to see you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I don't know about you, but I loved Laura's perspective on gratitude. Really, really inspiring. To learn more about Laura Hayes Morgan and her company, Creative Event Strategies, go to the show notes for this episode. As always, thanks so much for sharing your most precious commodity, your time with us. I hope that we've left you inspired. Have a great day. Take care and be well.